Hello, paranormalists, fringe dwellers, my fellow travelers on the road to the strange and unusual. Welcome to Paranormal Tower. Sit down, relax, get comfortable. I have a story to tell you. It is not necessary that it be night, but it is required that it be dark and stormy. Good fortune, then, in the bleakest of ways, smiles upon us this morning, for I woke to frantic dogs and a house rattling with thunder. The skies are crossed with the seas, it seems, and they battle for attention, both splattering my windows with their wet rage. The language of the wind. A perfect morn to sit by a candle and tell you a tale. A tale from a faraway land, where the sea and the wind and the sky often battle each other just like this. But in the end, they always make up and dote upon the beautiful green fields that are their children. Poetry. Ireland is mysterious. For those who have never been, it's a story that others tell. Perhaps intriguing, but hardly believable. For others, however, for those who the old sod calls, well, the tale is long and true, and it winds itself tightly around the heart strings and pulls ever so gently, but firmly. The Irish smile is an easy one. It's fast. It slides over the face without thought, like a worn oak cap on a misty morning. It's automatic. It seems to just happen. There are those who will tell you that it hides a dark heart, but that's not right. It hides a deep one, though. There are few lands more steeped in loss and longing than in Ireland. I'm not comparing shames or pains or crimes, just loss, just longing. The very fields glow in Ireland, and if you stay quiet enough, they hum as well. A soft and mournful song of days that never were, or might have been, but have been cut short. Days, of course, are long, but also fleeting. In the West, at least, the summer is always fading, but never really gone. It's not like our summer. It's not blazing and humid. It's grass that grows tall and cocks of hay that need moving. Not anymore, of course. Where but a few years ago, you might see pale backs start to blister in a warm sun. Today, there are machines that connect the land to the market. Where in years past, a man's labor put him in direct contact with the fields, the stones, the earth. Today, he rides above it, separated. Progress. That's important. But the dreams that come from it. The yawning chasm of emptiness where exhaustion hope and contentment need to live it's terrifying hunger is no stranger to the irish the land has never failed them but others have abused and stolen the land hunger the irish know hunger in the soul 
in the belly, in the very blood that courses through their veins, hunger that turned families out in the night, hunger that lay waste to generations, hunger that launched ship after ship of the children of Aaron to seek other shores, hunger that put Mammy in the doorway, wondering, wondering where her children were, what they were doing, if they lived. Ireland understands hunger. The land is not the perpetrator. Always someone has come, someone has landed to take, and always the Irish have been here at the ready with a cup of tea and a sad song to say, you, you're not special. We have seen your like before. Perhaps the land is so haunted because it's witnessed so much, so much violence, so much rage, so much sadness, and so much loss. Perhaps that's why the Irish ghosts walk so freely. Go to Ireland before you leave this earth. It might just convince you that you don't have to go in the first place. In the deep country, the parts of Ireland that everyone secretly wishes would never change, there are still old families and old cottages. Ireland is a modern country, of course, but it's also ancient, and the old ways are still evident. As you drive the narrow roads with miles and miles between towns, you can see the old buildings made of stone from 200, 300 years ago, left standing as progress and time took the people. The cattle might shelter there, or perhaps a local family stores turf or wood, or more likely still, no one living has stepped foot within its walls in decades. It seems almost placed there for its picturesque quality. Tourists love them. But that is a happy coincidence. It is there because no one has yet seen cause to take it down. And that's Ireland. Progress for progress's sake is foolishness. Take you a walk along the moors, the fields, the roads, and you will most certainly be noticed. You will get a tip of the hat, in old days gone by, a toothless grin. And before you reach the local pub, they would have had a pretty good idea of who you were, where you were going, and whether or not you might ever get there. I saw that one from up the road walking there a few minutes ago. You did? Yeah, that's Una's one from America. Come now to do some writing. Writing, is it? Yeah, writing. Perhaps a quick joke, and by the time you walk in, they've already read your first book, decided it could use some work, and yet they support you still the same. You see, it's a community. A community, and you're now part of it. You're not them. No. You're a Yank. But that's part of Irish history and community now. The diaspora who come home to the land, looking for it to heal and inspire them. But Yanks stick to the roads. Not to get too werewolf of London, but stick to the damn roads. Old cottages and cattle are not the only things left to time in the dark and close woods of Ireland. Whole villages still stand, empty, not forgotten, but abandoned. Many old cottages are deep in the forests of Ireland. Ireland's ancient forests. Ireland is an ancient land, and ancient forests and ancient lands are not to be trifled with. You think I am joking, but I'm not. There are things that live long and remember. The Irish remember as well. 
that longing you feel, Yank, as the plane lifts off from Shannon or Dublin to take you back to the States, that's your memory, your old memory, holding on to the green earth, desperately trying to stay. You sleep well in Ireland because your heart and mind remember it. But the forest, the forest is different. And in the forest, one might expect fairies. But don't be fooled by the name. In Fermanagh, in the early part of the 20th century, the Murphy family lived in their cottage in a town called Cunin. The house is close to the Tyrone border. The cottage, which stands still to this day, was isolated even in its own time, and it receded further and further into the forest. Decades of history swarmed around it, and though the story never fully disappeared, the house did, at least from view. So yes, Mr. Murphy died. The widow Murphy lived in the house with her children after his death, trying to make ends meet. The house is not massive, it's a typical enough dwelling. But for Bridget Murphy, it must have been an awful tight spot. For when Mr. Murphy died, he left her with seven children. The late 19th century and early 20th centuries were not kind to Ireland. Between a famine and the war for independence, the land was one of struggle and fear. In 1911, Mrs. Murphy began to experience strange phenomena in her home. It started as it always does, with scratches and knocks. The children would hear something in the wall. Then they sat down for tea and they might hear a scratch, think it was the cat, only to find the cat sleeping cozily by the range. Perhaps even they thought Mr. Murphy was coming back to tell them something, something about the afterlife. These were simple folks, but they were not fools. When the taps and the raps and the knocks started to form words and sounds, some said they could discern the songs, like the soldier song from the knocks. Bridget called in the only one she thought could help, Father Coyle. Bridget, the widow Murphy, had her hands full, left with seven children. The family was no doubt struggling between grief and fear and awesome responsibilities. Being a single mother in rural Ireland, a civil war and revolution filled the air. Her anxiety level must have reached the roof. To then have an unseen entity throw the family plates around and lift the beds from the floor as her children slept in them, well, that must have been absolutely terrifying. But no one wants to be thought mad. So the general consensus in many cases like this is to hunker down, close up ranks, and not let the surrounding community hear about it. You must suffer in silence. No one wants tongues wagging and the question, questioning their faith or behavior. And yet, in 1911, Bridget Murphy finally asked for help. Father Coyle was up for the job. Like a good shepherd, he ministered to his flock. He went to the house knowing it was a house of loss and sadness and no doubt struggling. But what he saw convinced him to go back to his superiors and to ask for permission to exercise the house. The footsteps in the loft that banged, sounding as if they were heading toward the people, toward the ladder to go down into the home, that was the final straw. The activity had progressed for months and the poor family desperately needed relief. 
Now, one would think that exorcisms are fairly common, particularly in a Catholic country like Ireland, but in fact they are virtually impossible to get approved by the Catholic Church. The rites and rituals of the exorcism are among the most powerful of rites within the faith, and in fact, in any faith. To perform an exorcism, a priest must be of immensely strong character and stamina. Whatever Father Coyle witnessed in the ghost cottage of Cunin, County Fermanagh, convinced both him and those above him that they were dealing with evil. We know this because the house became the only house in Ireland to ever be the focus of an exorcism. Twice. The exorcism, despite the priest's best effort, only served to lessen the activity and did not end it. After two years of relentless poking, prodding, broken plates, and phantom footsteps, Bridget Murphy decided there was nothing left to do but to leave. But leaving the cottage wasn't enough. Instead, she packed up her brood and left for America, boarding a ship bound for New York City. To her horror, the activity followed them. Other passengers would hear the knocks and the footsteps, see the children pushed about, and even hear the sad sing-song laughter that chilled them. They gave the Murphys wide berth, and Bridget began to lose all hope that they would ever be free of it. And then, one morning, in the middle of their journey, stopped on the high seas, suddenly... It all just stopped. Everything, the sounds, the feelings, the knocks, the pokes, the footsteps. It was as if it had all been a giant rubber band and somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, it had reached its extremity and it all snapped back, all of it. The Murphys sailed on to a new life in a new land. And all of the otherness and madness returned to Cunin, County Fermanagh. That longing we speak of, those threads that we surround our hearts, the fingers of memory that slip into our brains and make us long for the green fields of Ireland, perhaps Perhaps there's something magic in that after all. Perhaps those are not simply emotional responses. Perhaps there's something in them, in the air, in the water, or the land. Yes, Ireland is mysterious and mystical and even magical. And if you have ever known a true Irishman, you know that there is something of the pixie in us all. Don't take that word lightly. There is nothing light and weak about the picked or the fairy, or the good people. No, there's something powerful but capricious about us. Now the house still stands in Cunin. A hundred and some odd years later, the forest that it sat at the outskirts of had swallowed it. But progress is a process. And those trees that hid it from the casual observer, the trees that made more legend and made it a reality, Well, they were felled in the name of progress, and Mrs. Murphy's cottage is visible once again. It would be foolish and a lie to claim that no one had stepped foot in it since the Murphys. No doubt many have. But if local talk is to be believed, and in my experience, it's a good idea to give some credence to local talk, few who went in 
came out unscathed. Whatever it was that tormented the Murphys still has a hold on that house. It can follow you home for a short time or stay for a lengthy visit. The local priests in 2017 asked people to stay away as they had a lull in reports for a long while. But since the house was visible once again, they were worried. The church, you see, remembered that it tried twice to eliminate whatever was in the cottage, tried twice to stop the haunting, and twice it had failed. The church would prefer to let sleeping dogs lie. Remember that with respect and don't take it as a challenge. The ancient Irish, the ancient forest, they're not Catholic. They do not worship as we might. They are not beholden to our laws and they do not fear us. There is magic in the old forest, all right but no one ever said what kind.